1: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: Well, today we're going to continue our wonderful study in what we call the ABCs of character building because God wants us to have His character built within us And we're using each letter of the alphabet to select a particular character trait, although there are many character traits we can select. And so today we're on the letter F. And so what better character trait to select than perhaps the character trait of faithfulness? As I was doing the study on the whole issue of faithfulness, I wanted to do it from the perspective of the faithfulness of God. And in my research, I found that as we refer to God, that happens to be, in my personal opinion, one of the most supreme attributes of God that's mentioned over and over again in the Old and the New Testament, that our God is faithful. As I continued our study, I saw how that that faithfulness of God was needed even inside of us. And so he talks about men being faithful, women being faithful, and how important faithfulness is even in the human race. And you'll see that in illustrations of uh, people in the Old Testament. And, of course, at the end of your outline today, you'll see a whole list of New Testament people that God chose to not only put in Scripture, but to hallmark their life by giving them the moniker of faithfulness. And as I looked at that, obviously, this was a difficult message for me because I wanted to look at my life. Am I displaying the faithfulness of God through my life and the things that I do? Now, I have before me right now a particular letter that Carol and I are sending to... uh, If you remember Randy and Tess, they had been in our church. Uh, They got saved and they got baptized. They joined the church. They opened up their home twice a week to Bible studies and other things. Well, the military moved them and they went to uh, Jacksonville. And while they went to Jacksonville, we had two couples that were very much alike. They hung together. And so one went to uh, uh, Okinawa and the other one to Jacksonville. We just received word about a month ago that Tess, Maria, has cancer. And... It's it's a severe cancer. It's right behind her nose, inside of her head. They've taken out 62 um, lymph glands already. She's in chemotherapy. She's in radiation at this particular time. She has 75 percent chance of recovery. Hoping for that, and the whole family has been changed through this, including their daughter, who said that she really has drawn closer to the Lord because of it. Well, we wanted to send them a letter of encouragement. And so I wrote some scripture in there. Carol said some things. Some of you have done the same. And then this particular letter that I'm about to send, as I send it out, I'm looking at it. What's more important? To have their address correct? I think that's very important, making sure that what I say inside is biblically accurate so I'm not just giving them uh, human platitudes and things, but actually come from God's Word. Then I thought about, well, probably having the right postage on this letter would be important. Otherwise, it may not get there and it will be returned to me. But as I looked over this, I got thinking that I could have good, good encouragement. I could have the correct address. I can even have the correct postage on this with all the correct motivation to be able to make sure they get this particular envelope. But what's so important happens to be not just the stamp, but something you and I can't see right now looking at this letter. It's the glue behind the stamp. If it wasn't for the faithfulness of that glue, then we wouldn't see the stamp stay stuck to this letter and they would never get that letter. Now, what's the worst thing that could happen if they don't get this letter from us? Well, they wouldn't get a brief bit of encouragement from us and maybe a little bit of connectivity there. They would miss out on that and they probably would really survive. But as I thought about faithfulness and how it has really affected a lot of other people, some of you might have been affected by faithfulness or the lack thereof. Some of you will be doing your taxes real soon, and some of you know how important it is to make sure that your check and your information gets to the IRS. So you not only put the correct postage on it, but you do what the uh, postal system will permit you to do, and you kind of tag it with a lot of other things, return receipt and registered mail. So you want to make sure they get that letter. Some of you, when you uh, send out a bill, you make sure that that stamp is stuck so that that bill gets paid at the appropriate time. Those of you that send packages to the mainland using perhaps UPS or FedEx, you probably want to make sure that they get the material there so you'll do a tracking thing on it. You'll have a tracking number. Well, what's the worst that could happen? Well, financially, you could get done from the government with a penalty. Your your item that you sent, your package may not get there. It may get lost. That's the worst thing that could happen if FedEx, UPS, the postal system weren't faithful in delivering that information or package. But then I got thinking about other areas that we depend on. I'm thinking about those of us that might live on a hill or a mountain here on the island. We depend upon our brakes to stop our car. And if it doesn't, we could be bodily injured or injure others or maybe even be killed. I'm thinking about that young lady a couple of years ago who on her birthday decided to treat herself to a birthday present that would be one she'll never forget. And that was to go skydiving on the North Shore. And those of you that have done that, you often go skydiving your first time, what they call a tandem dive. And they take you through a little bit of instruction. You fill out a paper that basically absolves them of all responsibility. And so then they put with you another skydiver who is very trained. Well, this particular gal, she got a skydiver that had given literally hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of dives. He was very trained in this, military and and secularly. He was well known on the island. And so they all get strapped on, they get together, they get up in the plane and they come out of the airplane and on their way down, she's now enjoying the sights and the sound and the feeling of all of this and the wind is just blowing through her hair. She's experiencing the most exhilarating time in her life and she's just waiting then for her partner now to pull the ripcord because that's his responsibility. He never pulled the ripcord. She died on the ground, he died on the ground and later the coroner said that somewhere between the plane and the ground, her assistant there died of a heart attack, and she didn't know it. So she was depending upon the faithfulness of this man to stay healthy. Well, obviously, this man can't control his health. It happened the way that it happened. But the results are disastrous. But I believe that here in our sanctuary today, those listening on the radio probably have experienced a degree of unfaithfulness that has happened to you. Some of you today... When you got married, you said, Forsaking all others for that person alone until death do we part. And you did what you could to stay faithful in that marriage, but your mate who went to the altar with that vow didn't live out that vow, and today you're either with another mate or no mate at all because that person is separated from you, and they were what we would call unfaithful. Some of you are experiencing even residual pain because of the lack of faithfulness in a business dealing, or maybe something in the neighborhood of a family member. But I know that we all have it, and we all hate when unfaithfulness happens to us. But today, I want us to get beyond that. I want us to forgive those people, accept it from God, and maybe the only thing we can get from it is this, to know how important being faithful really is and that our church would give the clarion call that we could become a model church of what true faithfulness is from the little decisions we make all the way to the big ones that we might make that we would be faithful. Look at the little personal quiz that we can take here on faithfulness. Maybe it'll help us see the need for us to learn about faithfulness and to make some mid-course corrections. The first question is this. Have you ever experienced the gut-wrenching time when you counted on someone to do something for you and they didn't do it? Was it a family member? Was it a friend? Was it an employee that you gave an assignment to and that person dropped the ball and it made you look bad? Was it an employer who promised to give you a raise or to promote you but bypassed you and gave it to someone else? So you know what unfaithfulness is. How about number two? Have you ever trusted something and it failed? Again, maybe breaks or a computer situation. Something that you were relying on that you thought would hold you up. I remember one time as a boy growing up in the north, And the lake had frozen over. So I thought. And I was trusting that ice to hold me up. I saw some of my friends play on the ice, but I was a big boy. And I went out on that ice and that ice broke. The good news is I didn't drown. The bad news is I got horribly wet and cold, but I relied upon that ice. Well, again, I survived that. But some of you depended on things that let you down. But look at number three. Did someone make a promise to you but did not keep it? And maybe again that goes back to a marital situation or a financial situation or maybe even something like I'll pick you up after school and that person didn't show up or I'll take your kids to a game and didn't do what they said that they were going to do. And folks, since you are listening right now, I'd like to give you this other little spin on the idea, a promise that was made to you. We have now, especially Christians, we know how to navigate around the whole character trait of faithfulness. We know that uh, in order for us not to become unfaithful we, number one, don't make a promise. We don't, we don't make a commitment. So therefore, we're never unfaithful. Well, so here's what's really happening. The faithfulness of God is never really proven or tested in your life because you've never put yourself in a position where it costs you something to be faithful. So you're living really a very shallow life because you haven't really tested God to help you be faithful because you haven't made a commitment. That's not a condemnation. That's an analyzation. Or here's another way to do it. We sometimes will say something, but we leave the person with an impression of something, but we've really not told them the full truth. So we can appear to be faithful by the words that we spin, but we don't really mean what we're saying. So we really didn't make a promise. You, you interpreted it that way, but I really didn't make a promise. Listen to my words. And so those words that you've given as a commitment could be taken either way. And you wanted to make it be taken as a promise until you couldn't do it. And then you spun the interpretation of that, which you just said, into something that, no, I really didn't make a promise. Now I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to those of you that want to step up on your level of faithfulness to see exactly what I'm saying. So to do that, I thought I would go through and have a little study on faithfulness here and how we should be faithful. And I would like you to go on this journey with me through the entire message because I'm going to bring it back to encouragement to you to show you how that you and I can step up and be as faithful as God would have us to be. Well, let's look again. What does faithfulness mean? Going back to just the standard desk dictionary, it means to be true or trustworthy, the fulfillment of promises or obligations. Now, by the way... That's how the world defines faithfulness. And the world then, if it defines faithfulness, no matter how much moral relativism there is, they still have a degree of understanding what faithfulness could be all about. And then you have Noah Webster's, the first dictionary of the English language. They go through a whole bunch of them, but I'm just going to pick out a few. One of them, they define faithfulness as having truth or veracity. Now, I know veracity is a word maybe our young people don't hear or know, but basically, again, it just means being truthful or honest, having integrity, veracity, truth. But what's so interesting about Noah Webster is that next to that concept of truth or veracity, to help the reader understand what it is, he then gives them a visual. And here's what he says. He says, truth or veracity as the faithfulness of God. So back when this uh, dictionary was written a couple hundred years ago, they were really more Christianized than what we are today. So when they talked about truth, they could throw out the faithfulness of God. Many people today in our society don't know God, let alone His faithfulness or the depth of it. Another one they had here was this. They talked about the strict, coming from Noah Webster, the strict performance of promises, vows, and covenants. And then again, it gives us a visual. As the faithfulness of a husband or a wife. So they're saying, again, if you want to see what it means to be a a keeper of a promise or a vow, just look at marital relationships. Today, I would think, and I don't want to slam at all, but generally speaking, if you want to see what unfaithfulness is all about in marriage, all you've got to do is look at our society because they are so unfaithful. We don't see them keeping their marital vows. Well, then I moved it into the New Testament. There are primarily two Greek words. One is the pro part of it. The other is the anti part of it, of faithfulness. But the pro part of it, which I'll give you in a moment, actually has two parts. One is a passive act of faithfulness and the other is the active part of faithfulness. I don't want to tie you up with all this language stuff, but I think it's important for us to unpack the concept of faithfulness if we are going to be faithful Correctly. So the first one is pistos, and it's a passive one, and it means to be faithful or to be trusted or reliable. And it's used in this very famous Bible verse for those of you who have been saved a long time. It goes like this No temptation has taken you except such as is common to man. Here it is. But God is faithful. It's a passive state of faithfulness, which basically just means that's his character, that's his being, that's who he is, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to bear. Then you have another verse again. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. In other words, that's just who you are, that you, just, you are faithful. It's not that you're going to act faithfully. You act, watch this, you act faithfully because you are faithful. So it's the passive state. So I'd like to know if we would cut your wrist and you'd cut my wrist, would we bleed faithfulness because that's our core value of who we are as a person. And if it's not, we need to crank it up a little. And we can, and you'll see how easy it is in Christ. But then you have the active type, which is the believing or the trusting or the relying, where you are purposely now putting your confidence in something. It's the continual state of being faithful or reliable. Now, the anti-that would be apistos, and that is untrustworthy or distrustworthy. Now I'd like to submit to you a working definition taken from all that I've just given to you from the Bible, you know, and Ameri- from the uh, American language one and our current secular one and you have it for you there. This one you would want to massage, make it work for you, help it with your kids, help them to see what it is from their mind first so it goes into their heart and out their hands. Keeping your word especially when it is difficult to finish what you said you would do. Let's read that out loud together, shall we? Keeping your word especially when it is difficult to finish what you said you would do. One more time. Faithfulness is keeping your word especially when it is difficult to finish what you said you would do. Now we're going to show you because all definitions do have a balance here. Let's talk about how faithfulness is illustrated in Scripture. We're going to look at the life of Christ, especially as, again, he is praying for his disciples. Now, in this particular prayer, he is not praying specifically, you guys be faithful. But he is implying that by using himself as an example in his relationship to what God had him do. And so what we're looking at is the life of the faithfulness of Christ in a particular prayer, in a particular time in his life of what he did. Now, let me step back from that a moment. Christ is God. So the core attribute is faithfulness. So whatever Christ did, he acted faithfully because he is the faithful one. So it's easy to look at the life of Christ. But why am I giving you this? Some of you that are outside our journey of faith, you look at that and you say, okay, I've got to act like Christ. So you try to become like Christ by your activity. And what Scripture is talking about is a whole different ballgame. And that's why I believe the Bible teaching at this church is going to give it to you, instead of a lot of pop psychology with a lot of good uh, verses and stories, we're going to give it to you the real depth of it. The depth of it is this. If Christ is demonstrating faithfulness to what God the Father had Him do, because all of that is the faithfulness of God together, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we now can be a partaker of His divine nature. When I trust Christ, I'm born again with a whole new nature. I have Him. He indwells me through the Spirit. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So all that I need to do to please my Heavenly Father, I have the ability to do in Christ. That's the difference. And I want you to know you can be released to that. So if you're unfaithful, it's not God's fault. It's the sinful flesh fault of Satan now tempting you. And I don't want that because then you live a life of spiritual immaturity and defeat. And if you're a parent, you're modeling that mixed up Christian life to your kids. And then we only have to straighten them out later on. How do I know that? Because I was part of a ministry one time where people were feeding me good stuff on faithfulness but not always great stuff on faithfulness. So let's look at it. I'm going to just kind of go through this quickly here so you can kind of catch the essence of it. So the first bullet point is God the Son, which is Jesus Christ, who is Jesus Christ, had work given to him by God the Father to do. Now that doesn't take a rocket science. God the Father had God the Son do something. A lot of stuff on the earth. But one particular thing is it relates to our eternality. It says, As you, God the Father, have given God the Son authority over all flesh, that He, God the Son, should give eternal life to as many as you have given Him. So God says He's given the Son right to give eternal life. Then it says, And I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. So this job, I've been sent. God gave me something to do. God the Father gave God the Son something to do, which was to preach about the kingdom of God. And that's why He was sent. And then it goes on to say, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And to go a little bit further, We have been given works, so stay with me on this. As God, through Christ gave Christ the responsibility to preach the coming kingdom, to preach eternal life, to give eternal life to those that have eternal life so he could give it unto the Father. Now, stay with me now. He had to go to the cross and finish the work on the cross that God had him to do. So it's not just preaching a message that will never occur. He's preaching a message that will occur, but they have to embrace now before Christ died and rose again. So Jesus had a lot to do, and he's obeying the Father. Now, he says, as I have been giving this to do, a little sub-point is, he says, I'm giving you, just you and me, Christians in this room, a job to do as well. And so are we going to be faithful at communicating a message that was found in the Bible of an event that happened 2,000 years ago that has repercussions for the rest of eternity, whether or not we share it. All right? One wag said this I thought was interesting. The Bible is sometimes referred as God's things-to-do sheet. Okay? All right, this is the second bullet point. The work that was given Jesus to do was finished. I thought that was important because sometimes when we're given something to do, or we accept something that we're going to do, or we just volunteer to say we're going to do it, we don't often complete the, cha- the, the task. And here's what it says. It says, I have glorified you, Father, on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Would you underline that? I finished the work. Which also interesting is because when he hung up on the cross, if you remember when it was all over, he says, it is what, Everyone? It is finished. So he said, I completed what God asked me to do. I completed the task that I took on. I completed this whole thing that I was supposed to do. It's not partly done. We don't have to keep on having communion and mass and all that to go to heaven. None of that stuff. It's all finished. It's a done deal. And so as I look at that, then I look at the projects that God gives me to do. I should be able to complete those tasks in his timing, his way. Listen very carefully. I don't want to be crass on this. But when, when Jesus got the job then to go to the cross, did he go right to the cross then? no he didn't there was a process before he finished what god wanted to do so some projects may take us a moment to do some could take us a month to do some could take us a lifetime to do the point of the matter is are we on god's journey accomplishing the task he has asked us to do because we are faithful to complete the task and that's what he's looking out of or for all of us go on it says this later after his crucifixion jesus says it is finished and he bowed his head and he gave up the spirit basically it was done I put in my notes here, no excuses. He didn't mostly finish it. He didn't try to get it done. He did it. I love that that thought that we sometimes, when we take on a job or we assume we're going to do something, we like to throw in a simple little three-letter word. I do it, you do it, we all do it. And it's the most dangerous word we do when we're in task orientation. And that is, I'll try to do this. I'll try to quit smoking. I'll try to read my Bible. I'll try to engage someone with the gospel. I'll try to get a little bit more. We throw the word try out because if we didn't, at least we said, we accomplished it. We tried. And so we feel real good about it. But it never gets us to the next level. That's not faith. That's not commitment. It's a commitment to something with a big back door and an arrow to say, it's okay to walk out of it. And we don't want to do that, folks. Folks. It wasn't, I'll try to go to the cross, I'll try to stay there, I'll try to pay for most everybody's sins. No, Jesus says, I got the job to do, God gave it to me to do, watch this, I am God, have the power, will do it, I'll complete it, I can say it, I'll show it to you, I'm the testimony, and I live in you. And if I could do the more difficult task, which is going to the cross and everybody mocked me a horrible death, and took all the sin of all man, all the time, on myself and died, can't you do something that I ask you to do, that I'm giving you the ability to do, and that's called faithfulness. Now, listen, listen, listen. If you don't get anything out of this message, it's not me being faithful because of me. It's allowing his faithfulness to live out through me. I, can't, I can only be faithful, especially through the hard tasks, is when I rely upon his faithfulness. Because he gives me all that ability to do it. All right, number three. All right, the third bullet point, I should say. The first one is, God gave God the Father gave God the Son work to do. Second one is Jesus finished the work he's supposed to do. But I like this third one. This one is often overlooked. It says, And Jesus' faithfulness to complete his task brought glory to God. Write that down. When you complete a task, there's glory that God's going to get through the thing because you're in process. But man, when it's all over and you did it with a sense of excellence, you did it in love, you did it in faith, you did it to bring glory to him, man, God smiles. And I don't care if you're man, woman, boy, or girl, I don't care if you're in a wheelchair or if you can run the marathon. He says, whatever I ask you to do, I'll give you the ability to do so you can be faithful at whatever level you are and you can bring glory to the Lord. Look at in the same passage. It says, Jesus says, I have brought you, God, glory on the earth by doing what? Underline it. By completing the work you had me do. And so I think there is glory. God gets in the process of working on the work. But it seems like in completing the work you've asked me to do. All right, number three. What could I do to demonstrate faithfulness? Well, you, we can go on all afternoon, but I thought I would give you three to work on. Three that we can at least focus. And here's how you're going to focus. Don't, don't look at it yet. Think, think this way first. While I'm giving you these three from the biblical principles, when you look at these three, I want you to do it now, not through, I can do it, I, I, can, I can make this happen. I, I, I'm going to do this myself. You've got to say, these are three things that I can and should do and will do, but I will do it by allowing God's faithfulness to help me get through all of these things because I'm going to do it for His glory. Here it is, number one. By the power of God, for the glory of God, I should remove the pressure from those I serve by thoroughly completing the project assigned to me. I'm going to remove the pressure from those I serve by thoroughly completing the project assigned to me assigned to me how many of you moms and dads gave little household jobs to your kids whatever age they are and you re- some of it you gave it to them to do because they really need to learn this stuff and I know that they do they need to learn how to take out the garbage even if it's raining I understand all that but part of it is is that you want them to do it because they need to kind of help out around the house if they don't do it you got to do this kind of stuff right and so part of it is to relieve the pressure. But if they don't do it, the pressure begins to mount. And it's worse pressure because sometimes you give them a job to do and it's a time-oriented one. It has to be done by a certain time. It's not, would you take out the garbage? Sure, I'll do it next month. No, you want it at a certain time, all right? And the garbage will stack up and the rats will come in, etc. So, so that's to relieve pressure off of you. Now, kids, as you hear this, you think I'm beating up on you when I say, well, Mom and Dad want me to do this and you're going to relieve their pressure. Do you know that you right now are learning what it means to do a task that is as simple in normalcy as taking out the garbage for you? To you, that might be hard. It's heavy, it's stinky, and it's afar, and you've got something else to do. You can't. But I'm telling you, that has nothing compared to the pressure that's going to be on you. When you've got one, two, three, a half a dozen kids, a few animals, a job to do, a mate to do, a ministry to do, finances are tumbling all around you, and you've got a bad cold, and you can't perform yourself, and you need someone to come alongside you, you're going to rely on them. So part of us in our faithfulness is relieving the pressure of those who give us a task to do. And I pray that we would be, here it is, here's a phrase, stress relievers and energy givers.
1: Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you and remember to make it clear.